Hello everyone and welcome to our online service here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. So here we are again everyone back online at the start of another strict lockdown. It seems we haven't been able to leave 2020 behind after all. We're still on that pilgrimage towards gathered worship that we began together way back in March 2020. And as I mentioned on our weekly email, we're also on the start of another pilgrimage today as we begin the prayerful search for a new minister here at Kirkpatrick Memorial. And it's a delight for me to welcome today and to introduce to you our convener in this period of vacancy, the Reverend Robert Beggs. Robert will be preaching today for us and he'll also be sharing a little bit about what this process is going to look like. I know I can speak on behalf of the staff team and those of us who have met with Robert online already that he has been a real encouragement to us and I know that we all as a congregation will find him an encouragement as he guides us through this process. Robert, you are very welcome with us. And on that note of pilgrimage, as I mentioned in the email, we thought it might be appropriate at this beginning of a new phase that we introduce a new theme for these online gatherings. And we're taking up this theme, Pilgrims on the Way. Remembering that as we journey together, it is Christ that goes before us. Christ who goes before us as he leads us back to gathered worship. Christ who goes before us as he leads us in our search for a new minister. And Christ who goes before us as always as we seek to live as faithful servants to him in this world, bringing about the kingdom of God as it is in heaven. One of the habits that I developed in 2020 on that on that first pilgrimage was to read a psalm every day and I started that habit again on the 1st of January. Yesterday's psalm, well today as I'm recording this, was Psalm 9 and in that psalm we read these words which I'm going to use now as our call to worship. Those who know your name trust in you for you Lord have never forsaken those who seek you. Let us trust in God now and seek him at this difficult time. Let us come before him now as we pray together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you praise and thanks today that we can trust in you. In so many ways, in all our individual lives and in our lives together as a church family, we have known your faithfulness and your love. You're a God who listens. A God who sees. A God who comes to be with his people. Lord, forgive us that we do not always live as if this were so. Though we began 2021 with lots of good intentions, the stresses and pressures many of us have faced have caused us to look to ourselves, to become selfish and unthinking. Father, by your Holy Spirit, help us instead to look to you. Even now, in this time of worship, 
let it be an opportunity for us to turn our gaze back to you. Help us as we go from this time with you to be more faithful servants and to know with greater assurance your faithfulness to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first song we're going to sing together now is an opportunity to give God thanks and praise for his goodness to us. All my days I will sing the song of gladness. Well, good morning. My name is Robert Beggs and the Presbytery has appointed me as the, the convener of the pulpit vacancy in Kirkpatrick Memorial. Uh, our first task, or my first task really, is formally to uh, announce uh, that a vacancy exists in Kirkpatrick. And uh, I will follow that quickly uh, by saying that you as a church family are not alone in this process, nor am I, very thankfully, because the Presbytery has also appointed a commission comprising uh, ministers and elders of your neighbouring congregations within the Presbytery, your friends. The Commission's task is to draw alongside the elders and the church family to guide the church through this uh, vacancy and uh, to ensure that adequate um, provisions really are made for pastoral care, uh, the pulpit ministry or the Bible teaching and also the provision of the sacraments during the course of the vacancy. However, at no stage, and I want to assure you of this, at no stage is the choice of a new minister taken out of the hands of the Kirk Session and the congregation. That responsibility still rests with the church family. And so I would ask you to be prayerful, really, about the vacancy. Uh, please give time to praying for the future and about the future of the church family. And I'm sure that you will do that. Um, but nonetheless, I feel that it's worth emphasising that that should be, I suppose, our priority at this stage. Pray for your elders uh, in the whole process. Uh, ask for the commission that they also would have uh, wisdom as we progress uh, through the vacancy and seek to, um, to fill the pulpit vacancy within the church. And I would also ask that you would pray for me, perhaps as convener. Uh, I would value your prayers on this occasion. Ask for wisdom, ask for guidance for all concerned. Ask for the work of the Holy Spirit, um, not only within the Kirk Session and uh, within the Commission, but also within the congregation as well, so that the, the unity of the body of Christ uh, in Kirkpatrick and the church, Kirkpatrick church family is preserved. A vacancy uh, can be a time of great blessing, but it can also be a time of uh, great stress as different opinions are expressed and the potential is there um, for some fraying of that unity. So I would pray, ask that you would pray about this and keep this very much to the forefront of your mind. The other thing that I would ask for is patience. Uh, and that is especially so in the present circumstances. Um, the coronavirus pandemic has the potential to complicate matters for us and to slow down the process. Though in the grace of God, of course, we are prayerfully moving into a new stage and hopefully that will not play uh, too much of a part in the process. Not a lot will seem to happen in the coming months, um, well, weeks anyway. Um, initially, there are forms to be filled in both by uh, the Kirk Session and office bearers of the church, but also by the presbytery. And so as that 
those administrative things are being taken care of. It may seem that not a lot is happening. Those are routine things. Um, but once those are out of the road and once uh, we have gone to Linkage Commission and received their permission to proceed to call, uh, things then will begin to happen uh, quite um, quickly. Things will gather pace. Kirkpatrick is a well-organised congregation. Uh, you have many gifted people uh, within the congregation. So the faces that you will see Sunday by Sunday leading worship, uh, preaching and providing pastoral care through the course of the week will be, for the most part, people that you already know quite well. And the Commission and I will be around them to provide advice and backup where that is needed. So in the first place, if you have uh, any questions or pastoral care is required, please contact Gareth or Mary Rose and uh, they will take it uh, from there. Finally, and this is what you'll be glad to hear, uh, some of you may be wondering uh, how long this process will last. Uh, I guess that's probably the question that's uppermost in people's minds. At this stage, given all that I've said, um, it's really hard to be precise about this. Tuesday evening, um, those of you who watched um, Christoph's installation on Hamilton Road will have heard the clerk of session say um, there that the vacancy lasted for 14 months. With hopefully an improving health situation uh, and the restrictions that have been put in place in regard to the pandemic, I would hope that we would have a new minister installed towards the end of the year in around 12 months time. However, that's very much a guesstimate and you shouldn't take that as being the actual time scale. At this stage, I want to thank Christoph um, for the help that he has provided before he um, formally vacated the pulpit and uh, tendered his resignation as your minister. Uh, I want to thank Gareth and Mary Rose and Paul and others who have been helpful at this stage and who have also welcomed me uh, to the, the convenership of the vacancy. I look forward very much to getting to know you, uh, at least some of you, uh, in the coming months and to working with your ministry team and your Kirk session and getting to know them. So let's leave it there for the present uh, as we continue with our worship. This morning we find ourselves on a little detour from our series in Matthew's Gospel. Instead we're in Deuteronomy chapter 34. The death of Moses. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region of the Valley of Jericho, the city of Pams, as far as as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day 
no one knows where his grave is. Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord had sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his officials, to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. The word of the Lord. Amen. Well, I know that uh, you have been following a course of study in in Kirkpatrick in Matthew's Gospel. And today um, we were scheduled to cover the flight of Jesus' family to Egypt. I'm not going to look at that this morning. Um, Some of you may be disappointed in them. I apologise to you for that. But I want to try and set this change of leadership that's been thrust upon you in Kirkpatrick into some kind of Bible context. Um, In McQuiston, uh, my own congregation, we have over the last number of months been trying to trace God's purposes of salvation through the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis Before Christmas, we followed Jacob and his family down into Egypt. And last Sunday, we considered that they were there as a family in the early stages. But during those 400 years that Jacob's family were in Egypt, God grew them into a nation, honouring the promise that he had given to Abraham so long ago. They were a nation with many lessons to learn, lessons that they learned slowly and painfully during um, the 400 years that they were in Egypt, but also in the desert as Moses led them out of Egypt towards the promised land. The importance of Moses and the purposes of God cannot be um, overemphasized. And they are assessed in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 10 to 12. And it says there, namely this, since, no, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. That's the place that the scriptures give to Moses in the story of Israel and in the salvation story of the Bible. Yet here it is in a process of transition in that leadership. And I find the lessons here both encouraging and challenging. Now, unless the people of Kirkpatrick are very different than any other people, that I've known in in other churches where a vacancy has occurred. You'll now be feeling a sense of loss. There will be a sense of loss shared among you and there will be uncertainty about the future. A lot of questions being asked. And that too, I believe, must have been found in Israel. Though, of course, their circumstances were very different than your circumstances today. And they felt the loss with a much greater intensity. We're told that they mourned for Moses for 30 days. But what we also learn here is that Moses was not at that stage where he was unfit to lead, nor was he too weak in body or mind. And verse 7 tells us that despite his age, his eyes were not weak and his strength had not gone. 
Simply put, he had completed his work. That's what happened. He had completed his work and the time had come in God's purposes for this change of leadership in Israel. And we have to see the vacancy very much in the same context, in those terms, that Christoph's work in Kirkpatrick had been completed. So while there may be regret um, uh, at the end of an outstanding ministry, and trepidation for the future, where will we go from here? Where, where will we get another person uh, like Christoph? We have to give way always to the sovereignty of God and the knowledge that he has his hand on this situation from beginning to end. If it was God's will to move Christoph on to ministry in Hamilton Road, then the corresponding part of that must be that it is also God's will to bring someone new to develop and extend your ministry in Kirkpatrick. And to accept that and come to terms with that is a very important part of this process. We need to remember that every minister is only a servant of God, as Moses was in his generation. The Lord, who was Moses' master, is the same one who stands above and behind every minister or leader in a congregation. And that's surely an encouragement to us. The Lord, who is able to give strength in every situation, and gifts to those who he calls to leadership provided for Joshua again and again. And that, that will continue to be the case. Joshua was not Moses. He could not be Moses. He was a different person completely with presumably a different personality. But I want you to notice if you've got your Bible there in front, if you look at Deuteronomy 34 verse 9. And you will notice that he was filled with the spirit of wisdom. And this was nothing short of an anointing from God for this task that he was engaged in. And this, you, you see, is why the, the, the coming months, we must be prayerful in the coming months uh, about the vacancy. That God will bring the people who are seeking uh, his will and the individual who is seeking his will together in his will for the advancement of Christ's kingdom in the region around and the area around your church building in Ballyhackamore. Well, the leader, uh, or in this case, in our case, I suppose the minister, is only one side of this equation. The other side of this equation is the people, really. And with this, we'll draw things to a conclusion this morning. There is work to be done. And we see that in verse 9b. The Israelites did what the Lord commanded. So there was a response to this new development, to what God had said and what God had commanded. And indeed the laws that Moses had passed on to the people. It becomes clear that in God's um, charge to um, Joshua, as we read it in the very next chapter in Joshua chapter 1, that this change of leadership will also bring about a new departure. For Joshua and for the people there will be a new direction. They are not to rest where they stand. They are not to be still. It's not a question of marking time. They are to get up and to move into the land, to cross the River Jordan and possess the land that God has promised. Now, this may be a time for 
Kirkpatrick church family to regroup, to consolidate what has been achieved over the last 17 or 18 years, to rejoice in what has been good and helpful in the past, and to continue those ministries for the future, those that the Lord has blessed. But it is also a time uh, to listen to what the Lord is saying, to, to come with some sense of anticipation, not to, to question who will come primarily, but that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will guide the future, that uh, his hand will be upon the eldership and uh, the members of the congregation, and that he will lead us in the way that he has done with all his people in the past. And uh, I think there's an encouragement in what uh, we read in Joshua chapter 1 verse 2. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land that I am about to give them. Now does that possibility of doing something new and discovering something new in God's will, is, is that not exciting and encouraging? Yes, despite the sorrow of parting from the only minister that most of you have known in Kirkpatrick, despite the sense perhaps of feeling adrift, the knowledge, first of all, that all is in God's hands and that he indeed may be doing something new in your midst must be very encouraging at this stage. And that will be that you, I suppose, that in his will you will stand perhaps on the verge of new blessings. That must be encouraging. Embarking in a, new, in a new direction at this stage in your journey as God's people in Ballyhackamore. And we should rejoice in what has been achieved. Let, let's be clear about that. And let's not feel guilty about that. We need to rejoice in what has been achieved. But if we only look to men, then we will be disappointed. Commenting on this passage in Deuteronomy 34, Chris Wright points to the danger that existed in venerating or over-venerating Moses. I suppose from, from our point of view, what, what needs to be clear now is that you won't get another Christoph. And so it would be vain to look for one exactly the same. And that's not what we should do. We should be seeking God's will. What we ought to do is to seek wisdom and to seek his help as we set out on this task and on this journey. And that's an exciting task that lies before us. So it is not for us to pray. It, it, surely it must be for us rather to press on now in God's plan and to seek his to seek to fulfill his purpose. And I take note, I took note um, when I listened um, to your service last Sunday, I took note of what Gareth said at the end, at the very end of his speech, that next Sunday, that is today, um, Christoph will be leading worship in Hamilton Road, but we will be here in Kirkpatrick. Now, it is here, folks, it is in Kirkpatrick that the work of Christ continues, and it continues today, and it will do in the future. But we go forward into the future with this promise, and I think that this is an important encouragement for us. And this is the promise that the Lord will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail or press in against it. What a privilege um, it is for us uh, that, the, that the gospel will go forward and the gates of hell, as the, as 
the gospel and the good news press in on the kingdom of evil that uh, God will build his church. And may God bless us all as we seek his will and seek to do that work in the coming days. Well, let's just close um, in prayer. Let's all pray together. Our God and our Father, we want to thank you just for what we've learned from scriptures today. Uh, we pray, O oh God, that the lessons of the Bible uh, will be taken to heart. And we ask, O oh God, for your hand upon this entire process, that as we move to uh, fill the pulpit in Kirkpatrick, as we move into the vacancy and through it, that you will guide us and lead us at every step along the way. I ask today, O oh God, that you would bless the congregation of Kirkpatrick, that the church family will know your leading, your guiding and your blessing in the coming days. And that, Father, you will bind the people of Kirkpatrick in a unity and strengthen them by your Holy Spirit as they uh, go through this time um, when they consider the future and seek um, the future of their congregation, but also the future, a future leader for uh, the Kirk session and um, a teaching elder for the congregation. Father, will you have your hand upon this process from beginning to end and lead us, each one, uh, and collectively as your people, to uh, the person of your choosing. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And now let us bring our needs before God in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with heavy hearts for a world that is so much in need. The many difficult challenges facing us in our world, in our nation, in our local community and indeed in our individual lives have left us feeling wearied and disheartened at the beginning of a new year. Father, we bring before you the worsening situation regarding COVID-19. In particular, we pray for all those on the front line, our key workers, who are working so hard on our behalf. We think of those in the National Health Service, from consultants to hospital porters, from nurses to cleaners. Be with all those who are struggling to care for the sick and the vulnerable in these exceptionally difficult circumstances. We pray too for those in schools who are facing enormous pressure, for school leaders, teachers and students who are constantly being asked to adapt to an ever-changing situation. Father, we pray for the mental health of our children and young people in particular, especially those who are worried about the situation with examinations, AQE, GCSE and A-level. Lord, in the midst of all this, we continue to pray for our political leaders, we give you thanks that we have the opportunity to elect people to make decisions on our behalf and we realise what a burden this is. And so, Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for goodwill and a spirit of cooperation for our representatives in Stormont. We think not just of the COVID-19 situation, but of all of the disruption and fallout caused by Brexit. Lord, as we pray for our politicians, we are mindful of the dark situation in the United States. 
many of us were horrified to see images of disorder in the capital this week. And so, Father, we pray for peace in that land. That land which has for so long been a symbol of freedom and democracy in the world. Help those of us in your church, Lord, to remember that our allegiance is not to a political party or an ideology, but to Christ, who is our true King, the King of heaven and earth. Lord, as we bring these prayers before you, I'm reminded of the Christmas song, O Holy Night, which contains that wonderful line, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Father, today help us to know the truth of these words. In a weary world, may we be animated by the thrill that comes from knowing the living God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope, we pray all these things. Amen. We now come to the end of our service and as I often say, this isn't the end of our time of fellowship together. Um, it's an opportunity to pick up the phone, to call somebody in the congregation and to let them know you're thinking of them. I think that's particularly true today as we begin this new phase of lockdown. Let's continue, as Gareth said in his email to us, to look out for one another. Remembering that we are pilgrims on the way together, called to love and serve the Lord. And so let us go now with God's blessing over us. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.